Well, <clears throat> picking up where we left off, after Elizabeth finished saying, blessed are you among women, as we heard the first part of this text, Mary then sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for the Holy One has looked with favor on the lowliness of this servant. Surely from now on all generations shall call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. Holy mercy is for those who revere God from generation to generation. Yahweh has shown strength with God's arm, and the scattered and the proud have been scattered in the imagination of their hearts. The Almighty has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. The holy has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich sent away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of holy mercy, according to the promise made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. The text today is all about Mary, and Mary is in a perilous state. She's alone, she's unmarried, and she's pregnant. Not a good place to be for any young woman. And then add to this, she encountered Gabriel, an angel no less, who greeted her with, do not be afraid, which I'm guessing was probably not very helpful. She was probably pretty much afraid. And then this messenger, that's what angels are. They are not things that float around with, you know, chiffon and wings. They're a messenger. Each of us has been an angel at one time to another. But this angel, Gabriel, this messenger said that Mary was favored, that she was loved by God, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, that the power of the Most High would overshadow her, that she would conceive a son in her womb who would be called Holy, the Son of God. What? What? I mean, if I got a message like this, it wouldn't be this message. But if I got a message like this, I'd want to go and turn on my TV and watch continuous reruns of Downton Abbey with a glass of Chardonnay, just praying the whole thing would go away. Now, I don't have a clue to an equivalent in Mary's day, but I'm sure she longed for something like this, like any of us might. In the most difficult paths on our life, writes Jean Jan Richardson, spaces of sanctuary are waiting for us. And this is what happened with Mary after that weird encounter and the message she got from Gabriel. Rather than trying to attempt it to go through it alone on her own, Mary goes and searches for someone who will help, just like you and I would do. So she finds help in the home of her cousin Elizabeth, who welcomes Mary and offers her sanctuary, blessing, and support. Elizabeth Hearing Mary's greeting with John, who would become the Baptist, leaping in utero, proclaims, Blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Where did those words come from? My hunch is they surprised Elizabeth, who said them, as much as Mary and Zechariah, who heard them. Blessed are you. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. There are times in our lives when we are given words that literally burst out of us without warning. Kind of like all of a sudden. 
From the very core of our being, unbidden, startling, they erupt from that place deep within us, taking on their own life. This was surely the case when Elizabeth proclaimed, Blessed are you among women to marry. You know, God's word comes to us in surprising ways, just like this. In ways concise and startling, real, concrete, human, and oftentimes messy. God's word to us can't be controlled. It can't be contained. It can't be boxed in. Sometimes like those words that we need to say to one another. God's word startles us to stop and reflect on our own words as we allow the word, the word that became flesh, to make home in us. Like that word became flesh and made home in Mary. Jesus is called the word, the logos in Greek, which means word, the logos of God. This word who came to life to transform all darkness. This word that came to those who could not speak their own words. This word, as the prologue to the Gospel of John proclaims, was life, and the life was the light of all. Have there been times in your life when you have spoken a word that was exactly what needed to be said in a particular situation to a specific person at a particular time that was so concrete and right on that you were totally taken back, surprised? Maybe you've even said to yourself out loud, where did that come from? I've said that more often than I'd like to admit. And where it comes from, I think we know the answer. It's from God. It's not from us. It's from the power of the wisdom that dwells within us. During this Advent season, which ends today, this week, we've been looking at the certainty that comes when we wait and that out of waiting we witness light that will transform and change us. As some of you know, this has been a very difficult fall for me personally. September 30th was the first year anniversary of my brother's death. It was the 36th anniversary of my ordination. My brother's name was Michael, married to Adana. On September 30th, I was in Monterey doing a graveside service for a dear friend of mine who'd been incredibly kind to me over the years, whose name was Michael, who'd been married to Adana, and without whom we wouldn't own our home. Backstory. When I left First Presbyterian Church of Monterey, December 1991, to come here to accept a 40% of half-time call, that's what the positions are called in the life of the church. 35 families supported me for one to two years, helping me to get myself settled here at 7th Avenue and to begin a brand new ministry of spiritual direction at San Francisco Theological Seminary over in San Anselmo. Mike and Donna, however, supported me for eight years, and we never had to use those funds, so we put them in the bank to help us pay our mortgage. On this September 30th, bearing Michael next to his beloved Donna, I met their adult daughter, Sherilyn, whom I found out had dated my brother in college. Later that afternoon, September 30th, my mother went into the hospital, and two days later, I put her on hospice. 
And now, surprisingly, looks like she's going to be discharged from hospice at the end of the month. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. But during the past 90 days, I have been confronted with the certainty of waiting. And though I know my mother is dying, it has been laced with hope and gratitude for the moments of witnessing light in ways I never imagined possible. Centuries ago, Mary had the certainty of waiting, waiting for the child to be born, waiting to see if the prophecy would be realized, waiting at the cross those many years later. But laced with her waiting was the gift of witnessing the presence of God's light. In early November, there was a care conference with my mother's hospice team, the nurse, the social worker, the EMT, my mother's caregiver, and the nurse from assisted living. At that conversation, we removed my mom from all her essential medications. That afternoon, later on, my mom was sitting in a chair in her living room, and I leaned very, very close to speak to her, because she's quite deaf. And as I did so, she said, honey, it looks like you need a back rub. Another backstory: my father, every day until the day he died when I was seven, gave my brother and me a back rub. And my mother continued that tradition until I was in junior high and didn't think it was cool anymore. <laughs> so to my mother's, honey, you look like you need a back rub. I said, mom, I do, and I'll get one when I get back to San Francisco. And she said, I think I can do that. So I knelt in front of her with my back toward her, and she, with her weak, frail hands, rubbed my shoulders. As I looked at a family portrait that was hanging in front of us, I was maybe four years old. Tears were coming down my cheeks, much like right now, knowing that this was probably the last time that my mother would ever do this. This is probably the last time my mother would ever be my mother in this way. And at that moment, I got what witnessing the light is all about. It's about being vulnerable. It's about allowing ourselves to be loved and touched. It's about saying yes to one another and to God. This is what Mary did. She said yes to Gabriel's message, which led her to proclaim that story that we call the Magnificat. One yes was all it took. One yes to the angel, writes Richardson, as our thought for reflection indicates. And Mary became a revolutionary. The child is hardly noticeable in her womb when she arrives at the home of her kingswoman, Elizabeth. But the transformation is written all over her face. And Elizabeth instantly intuits what has happened. She blesses Mary for her hope. She blesses Mary for her radical belief that God will fulfill the promise made by Gabriel. Her eyes in her ears were ringing Mary, Elizabeth's blessing. And Mary then pours out that song, that cry of hope, that echoes the one raised by her foremother, Hannah, when she gave birth to Samuel. The powerful will be brought down from their thrones. The lowly will be lifted up. 
The hungry will be filled with good things, and the rich will be sent away empty-handed. In the 13th century, the German mystic, Meister Eckhart, wrote, What good is it to me? What good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1,400 years ago, and I do not also give birth to the Son of God in my time and my culture? This is it, my friends. The word birthed in Mary centuries ago must be birthed in you and me today, now, this moment. And what is this word? It is a word of blessing. It is a word of power. It is the very word of God who dwells within us, who is the Christ. Blessed are you. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. My friends, our faith demands that we, like Mary, say yes. And one yes is all it takes. If I had not said yes to my mother's offer to give me a back rub, I would have missed the tenderness of that moment and the memory that is forever etched in my mind and my heart. What invitations are being given to you today asking you to say yes? It may be working on a relationship. It may be offering a word of support or challenge or correction or comfort to another. It may be for you to work on the behalf of offering welcome to refugees to our country. It may be for you to proclaim a song as powerful as Mary's, speaking words that startle and shock and wake others up. One yes is all it takes for us to witness the light of God's presence all around us. One yes is all it takes. Are you willing to say yes?